Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. This podcast is a Royfield Brown production. Find others on iTunes. All right. Yeah, I know. This is Dumji Dum, the show about the reality docudrama that are centered on Ambridge in the heart of the Midlands. And on this Christmas episode, I'm the five gold rings that is Yokel Bear. And with me, I have the partridge in a pear tree that is. Yeah, I'm not Andrew Horn either. I'm sorry, folks. Um, unfortunately, you've got me, Royfield. And the last part of our 12 Days of Ambridge, folks, is you. Because uh, we do have some calls. Suffice to say, um, things have gone all a bit pear-shaped in Dum Dum Towers this week. Yokel Bear and Andrew recorded um, a wonderful show. At least, I think it was a great show. Uh, but half of it didn't record. Um, on playback, Yokel Bear sounded like Pinky and Perky. Though Andrew Horn sounded like his normal, um, rather nice Surbiton self. So... I couldn't use I couldn't use the recording basically but we do have the second half of the show so at some point Yoko Ben and Andrew hit stop and then um, address the calls so what I've decided to do is try and just put together a Frankenstein of a show which is uh, bits of um, festive Dumby Dums from Dumby Dums past with Andrew and with Yokel Bear talking about the last week in Ambridge. So that's what we're going to do. So on this week's show, we have Dumdy Dums from Anna Bradbury, Matthew Stone, Fat Bloke Talking, and Chris Lois. And we have some calls. And I just haven't got it together actually to go through the calls and to write them down and put them in my script. But we do have them. So um, I'm recording this on Christmas Day. I'm going to put this up to sweet, and um, it's a free-for-all. It's whatever comes to mind and whatever I can salvage from the edit, and this is your Christmas dum dum I hope you enjoy it. Twelfth day in Ambridge, my true love gave to me 
Twelve cakes are baking, eleven poisons leaking, ten lambs are leaping, nine lines dancing, eight parlours milking, seven polytunnels, six goslings guzzling, five herbal lays, four charging bulls, three French cows, two bottled gins, and an arthritic bartleby. So we started on Sunday, the one with cheesy shenanigans. Sunday's often a quiet day in Ambridge, with little in the way of plot progression. But this week it was one of the more interesting episodes. Yes, we had the scenes that reminded us of ongoing niggles. David is still stewing over Elizabeth and Kenton pissing on his wedding parade. Lillian is trying to stop Piggy's eco-project imploding by shuttling round the village as a peace envoy. But we also had some fun with Lee and Helen. In an echo to Robert and Lindy Bottom last week, Lee asked to see the cheese room where all the magic happens and was so keen that he didn't even want a coffee first. After some mucking about using cheese wheels as gym weights and admiring her many awards, he was rewarded with an invitation to Christmas lunch as her boyfriend. Monday, the one where Susan goes fishing. Monday's episode started quietly with Eddie continuing to worry over the Grundy world of Christmas and Harrison needing to go for a costume fitting. Susan also reverted to gossip type, trying to start rumours about Pip's wedding just because she'd bought a wedding magazine. When this was quashed, she moved her focus onto getting Tracy to introduce her to Roman for interrogation. So far, so every day. But then... (coughs) New storyline, Claxon. There's been a cash point heist and one of Josh's diggers is implicated. Harrison asked if Ruth and David could get Josh to phone the station. But it seems the voice element of Josh's phone isn't working and he can only post pool-sized sausage leg shots and pics of multicoloured cocktails. On to Tuesday, the one with snogging and cognac. We start Tuesday with the sound effects team let loose, creating kissing sounds with Helen and Lee snogging under the searchlights of Phil's Christmas illuminations. Now then, Lee, if you want this relationship to crank up a gear, you do not describe kissing your girlfriend as nice. Let's hope there's a thesaurus for him under the Bridge Farm Christmas tree. Pat and Tony have said yes, but Helen is worrying that she hasn't got Henry's blessing. Why, we are all thinking, and it seems that Henry agrees. He turns up later on with a more age-appropriate voice and attitude. He's your boyfriend, not mine, so he's worked it out and all is okay. Linda Gate crashes a ghost story rehearsal with the material and her sewing machine to make Jim's costume, whilst drawing on inspiration from the space and performance. I will sit as quiet as a mouse. Oh, no, you won't, we all shout at the radio. And sure enough, she yaks on so much that Jim and Robert relocate to Greenacres for cognac and the ensuing drunk acting phone call as Robert isn't fit to drive and collect her. Who said there wasn't a panto in Ambridge this year? The only odd bit was about the disturbing portrait Russ has done of Linda. I'm sure its reason will become clear, so we will move swiftly on to Wednesday and leave uh, Yoko Bear and Angela Barnes to unravel that one next week. 
Yeah. Wednesday, the one with squabbling children everywhere. Much of the episode focused around a partnership meeting for Home Farm. And as usual, any Ambridge business meeting gets my blood pressure up. I'm guessing we will pick up on this with other caller inners. Suffice it to say that the squabbling children were Brian and Adam, Pip and Phoebe, and they should all know better. This did allow the scriptwriters to fit in references that Twitter, in its infinite wisdom, has interpreted as being political digs at our Prime Minister. Pip hit Phoebe with, just because you went to Oxford, it doesn't make you our natural leader. And then Brian followed with, you seem to think you are smarter and more entitled to succeed than your business partners. Thursday, the one with two detectives. First, we had the fun of Inspector Cluzo Susan tracking down Roman and Tracy. Despite swapping a trip to deck the hall with a visit to the tea room to throw her off the scent, she managed to find them, presumably by following the smell hanging in the air from Roman's hammy accents. Thankfully, Roman gets the Susan's seal of approval. Mind you, she was one of Titchener's greatest fans. Such a nice man. So it's not a sign that Tracy is set for happiness. Next, we have the altogether more serious Poirot Sausage Boy, who picks through the news Nokasha brings back from her joyless makeover session and correctly identifies Tony's wedding anniversary disappearance to the double dinner at Beechwood last week. Christmas at Bridge Farm is always so tense, coinciding as it does with the anniversary of John's death. I predict this will all blow up next week, with Tom being petulant until Tony says something that provokes him to spill the beans. Enough of this seriousness, it's time to finish the week on a light comedic note with Friday, the one about the Grundy world of Christmas. Yay, for once the cash tills are ringing as the village rallies around the Grundies and buy all the stock. So much so that Emma and William are dispatched to find more tat for the tombola. This leads them to stumble across all of Emma's furniture for the doomed Beechwood house and a touching scene where Will fesses up to Ed's part in paying for it all. Convincing her to leave it, they head off to go skip diving at the gills. Meanwhile, DC Tanners pops up at Brookfield, playing the BBC stock character of Snidey Cop. She manages to make David and Ruth sound guilty as she, or feel guilty, as she questions them about missing the missing international man of mystery, Josh. They are left wondering if he might have got caught up in something after all. Back to the Grundy world of Christmas. And between them, Clary and Harrison work out why Eddie has been like a ferret worrying a rabbit with the Father Christmas nonsense. No one can replace Joe, except for Eddie. So with a quick costume change, Eddie saves Christmas for the Ambridge children with a bravura performance. The Grundy world of Christmas is a money spinner, and Oliver descends Deus Ex Machina with an invitation for them to spend Christmas Day at Gay Grable's. Life has never looked so good for the Grundies. Merry Christmas to you all. The end. Merry Christmas! Oh, oh, oh. Um, so what was what was your favorite 
thing in Ambridge this week, what was the, the bit that you, you enjoyed the most? That's difficult. I mean, the, the the bit that sparked Twitter as well was all the comments about Helen's cheese room. And uh, I've got a couple of corkers <laughs> in the, uh, in, when we get to the tweets of the week, but I, I found it was, it was quite a strange week, yeah. quite uneven. And when I sat down to listen to them all again, yesterday afternoon and start thinking about about you know prep for the show i was i i said to alex at the end he was saying so daddy are you all ready and i was like no i'm not inspired i've listened to it again but i don't know how i'm going to uh you know going to pull something together because it was really really uneven Um, I i thought so i mean it's just i i just couldn't really get into the kind of, you know, the Helen and Lee stuff. It's kind of, look, it's inevitable, it's going to happen, they're going to get together, it's going to be the Christmas thing. But the thing that I really liked about this week was even though it was quite uneven, there were some pure Archer's moments. And the best bit for me was the whole scene with Linda, Roberts and Jim rehearsing the ghost stories where where Linda sees the photo that's obviously her. Um, But there was just the back and forth. That was beautiful, except that the whole upsetting bit about that uh, weird painting um, which, but but, yeah, all and Jim's asides were brilliant. And and the other bit of pure comedy was uh, Trace Tracy (coughs) referring to uh, Linda Time off in lieu or toil, as we all know, <laughs> and then uh, uh, Susan thinking, "Oh, well, that's quite posh," and writing, uh, "Leaving the shop, time off in lieu," and sp- obviously spelling it L double O. Also, as well, that was that like um, Susan playing Miss Marple. Yeah, um, that was that good. Was, I enjoyed that bit. Yeah, I just, you know, I think they're just. I mean, we all love Tracy, and I mean, it, anything with Tracy in it is just going to be great. Um, but there was other bits as well that I didn't enjoy so much. I will admit that when I was taking some notes about what to talk about for this episode, I'm just going to read this verbatim, yeah? I just put Josh, twat. <laughs> just, <laughs> it's so obvious, isn't it? He's just, I don't think he's a criminal. I think he's just one of those people that's just so lackadaisical. He just doesn't care. Yeah. But I think this is... Well, he, I think he just thought it was a fast buck. Yeah, and I think also as well. Can I just say the worst bit of the moment, the worst bit of the week for me, is nobody wants Eddie saying the words. You can put it on the downstairs lap. To you. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh. Yeah, I I think next. I know you were saying uh, about the sort of the the uh, Helen and uh, Lee being mm. the big Christmas story. I don't think it is. I think. They will be set up, obviously, both to be at Bridge Farm. Bridge Farm will be one of the two big Christmas Day stories, um, but it's going to be the the Joy Tony thing. It'll come out. Yeah, you know, I can just see, as I said in the uh, in the monologue, um, Tom just being slightly arsy the whole time with Tony until Tony says, "You know what's wrong?" Um, yeah, and it all coming out, um, and the other storyline that think for christmas week will be the um uh will will be the josh thing i i haven't listened to sundays um but i did see something on twitter that worries me um about rex being implicated so i i uh, yeah. um 
But um, that aside, it was lovely that the Grundy World of Christmas went well. Um, although just so, in the end, it became obvious why they'd be making this fuss about the Father Christmases, and it was all because you know no one can replace joe and that was lovely but then they just went a step too far with the whole oh and oliver's invited us to gay grables for it, christmas day it's a little and, bit christmas carols because uh, kind of god bless you one and all at the end but i think there's yeah. a reason for that i think that that might yeah. be the christmas day story i think oliver is going to say you can stay on indefinitely um at grange farm i think that's what's going to happen I think that's it was so pointed when Carrie said we've been invited. It was just like, hey, up, something's up. So, and I can't see Oliver evicting them on Christmas Day. Mm. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, the BBC have already got one evil screw no. going at the moment. No, on he BBC one, haven't they? <laughs> they don't need another one in Ambridge. So, um, but anyway, just uh, so the, so people know as well, yeah. we've had a Christmas miracle here. Ding dong, merrily on high. We've managed to get the calls back. So, um, as we hear the coroners on Christmas Miracle of the Appearing, calls this week. Oh, yeah. Yes, let's hear that because I've not heard them and I've not. So, so uh, there'll be no prep. This will just be it's spontaneous. Be yep. Spontaneous sort of cup. Today we have calls from Ian Merlin. In fact, we've got two calls from Merlin, Vicky Cole, and our very own Witherspoon. Hello, Ambridge3962. So let's start with Ian. Hello, it's Ian from Edinburgh here. I'm a first-time caller in error, um, calling from my chaise longue, um, and um, I'm a vintage... I think the first thing I remember is Dan's funeral, so that probably makes me a stiff Dan. Um, so, yes, I am calling in because I have also got vaguely obsessed by how rewilding works and have been trying to visualise after what Lucy was saying 400 acres and I found a very helpful drawing tool on Google um, well it's some sort of uh, daftlogic.com and I used to live in Winchester and I spent a happy time drawing and redrawing around the water meadows along to St Catherine's Hill from the cathedral to get a rough idea of like how far 400 acres um, extends and it's bloody huge it's huge um but at least I can now visualise it and imagine strolling through a happy sunlit day along the um, chalky, watery landscape. So um, <clears throat> I um, wanted to remember, for some reason, um, Nick's hen night that came into my head because I was thinking about Helen. And I remember that inexplicable moment where Helen suddenly became friends with Nick. Um, I remember getting into trouble on the BBC chat board at the time for defending that episode. I now realise the error of my ways was ridiculous. Um, But I am very glad that Helen has got together with Lee finally, because I actually stopped listening to The um, Archers-ish after um, she wasn't able to get with Lee and did the whole ridiculous thing about saying there was somebody else. Um, And there always would be. I found that very... um, frustrating and upsetting just because i'm like i want her to be happy even though i recognize all the things that people say about her um and being a bit annoying anyway lovely to um call in for the first time you're all brilliant thanks for all you do and um i'll call in again sometime soon happy christmas yay happy Happy christmas Christmas, that's ian from his uh chaise long with his stiff down um (laughs) 
So <laughs> not quite sure what that means. But anyway, but I don't what, what do you think, Andrew? I mean, Helen, do we want her to be happy? I think the answer's got to be yes, isn't it? It has. It has. And uh, yeah, I mean I think we're we're going over over well trod um uh, ground from 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 the other week yeah. around uh, why we can't feel happy for her but yes i would like her to be happy um but then as lucy always says i'm soppy and i want everyone to be happy so uh, do, you, do um, you think that lee will change her because lee actually seems quite down to earth doesn't he and i wonder whether she will become kind of more confident in herself um and i think Ian would, uh, sorry, Ian, um, Lee would change her, and in a good way. Well, it's, she needs to Yes, I mean, she needs to. This whole worrying about, oh, worrying about Henry, and will he, will he uh, want to, uh, will he be upset if Lee comes? Um, I mean, I th- Henry was actually right on that. We'll come back to Henry. Um, but, but she was once quite self-confident. Don't forget, she went off and decided to have Henry from a sperm donor that she didn't know, which is quite, that's going out on a limb. That's, you know, that's, mm. that's quite out there. And you need sort of confidence to decide you're going to do that, uh, even if you have got a supportive family at, at, at home. So, but she does need to re- regain that. Um, do you think it was a new, it isn't, was I right in my mind? I didn't look it up. It's a new um, Henry actor, isn't it? I think so, um, because the voice sounds definitely slightly different. Um, and yeah. I did actually find myself this week thinking, oh, Henry's growing up, and then thinking, mm, yeah, this really is a docudrama, isn't it? <laughs> it's just like, um, I think yeah. Henry's going to get more lines now. I think that's, and I think he's going to be part of, um, part of kind of the, the Lee thing. I think he's going to be more integral to to this relationship rather than as before, you just get the occasional sentence from him. I wonder what I, what I also wondered is, because mm. I know that before yes, that they had to, I don't know the reason why, but Henry, the, the child actor that plays Henry before wasn't in the studio. They used to record those lines separately. And I think you could tell that, um, it was a bit speak and spell, to be honest with you. But this week, it actually sounded more mm. natural. And I'm wondering whether that actor is in the yeah. studio with the rest of them. Mm. Could be. It certainly didn't stick out. There was no... Um, it, it was it was seamless. Right. Shall we go on yeah. to Merlin? Um, Merlin's actually sent us two calls. So let's have a listen to first, and then we go straight on to the second. Here we go. Here's Merlin. Okay. Good morning, everyone in Dumpty Dumland. This is Merlin. I... I'm going to start, hopefully, by pulling up my socks. I knew I was a caller in but I got so excited that it was my first time that I forgot and made the mistake. And as to <laughs> the faux pas over uh, being an addict, I didn't even realise there was something else that I could have listened to. That was talking about being an addict as a generality. So I apologise for referencing somewhere else. Having pulled up my socks, now we'll get on to the archers. First off, they've done something I didn't think was possible, which is make me dread hearing the Welsh accent. I love hearing the Welsh accent. It's lilting, it's beautiful, it just draws you in until you hear Natasha saying it. And then I just want to turn off the radio. So well done, the archers, for that. I'm going to come slightly to the defence of Elizabeth as my second thing. 
because I think every teenager is different. I agree that some, you, when they're struggling, you need to bring them close and you need to just what, be there for them all the time. But there are teenagers who leave home for that kind of thing. And I can see that Elizabeth is worried that she might drive Lily away because previously Lily left. So I don't know. I don't agree with how she's acting, but just in her quick defense. And finally, a quick plot to plot prediction for next year i think joy and tony are going to turn into the uh, fatal attack fatal attraction oh god two. no and that's probably not going to be the most pleasant of things and i'm slightly worried and slightly glad actually that we're on radio so at least we can't have joy recreating the lake crossing scene thank you for listening <laughs> well, I don't know about your entry, but ooh, I'm vaguely traumatised um, after that. Are we mixing our films as well? Are we? Because um, uh, uh, well, Fatal Attraction was uh, bunny boiling and attacks in the bath, and leg crossing. I thought was Basic Instinct, but um, but either leaving that yes. aside, uh, Merlin, I think that's the the Joy Tony thing. I I don't think it's going to go anywhere. I think it's going to just give enough of a, a and apart from causing ructions over Christmas when it all comes out, which I said earlier. Um, I think it'll just be a bit of a wake up call for uh, Pat and Tony to appreciate each other more. And after all, all he was doing was um, you know just being friendly and. Um, his main interest, as I said in my call last week, is his affairs with Madge. He's interested in Madge. He's not interested in Joy. He's not. He's not got it in him to be passionate outside the marital bed. I. I just don't. Mm. I don't see that. But he was being. He was being polite. He was being a good friend. Um. But his mistake was to lie about it. Um, yeah, I think that's going to be his kind of comeuppance on it. I think mm. I had a real realisation about Joy. Of course, like most people, when Joy first came along, it was just like, oh, God, Joy's just shut up. And it was when Natasha came back and said she just couldn't stop talking. I, I love the bit about she couldn't stop talking, even when I was applying the lipstick and imagining kind of the lipstick all over <laughs> Joy's face. Um, but I, she's really lonely, isn't she? And I'll tell you something. This is um, – I used to have yeah. – uh, in a previous job, I used to work from home, like, a lot. I used to work from home completely alone a lot. And what I found was was that when my flatmate, who was had, like, a, a job outside of the home, came home, I couldn't stop talking. And I think it was just that kind of lack of contact with people. As soon as someone turns up, you just can't stop talking. And I think she's just really alone and lonely. Mm. And I think she's moved to a small community and she's just trying to to just explain to just kind of, you know, she's just trying to connect with people. I find that I've actually got a lot of sympathy with joy and that's unusual because normally i haven't got sympathy for anybody in that bridge apart from tracy of course but you know so i wonder i don't think it will be an affair but i think it will be an issue yes um but i can't see it i mean god tony just doesn't have it in him does he no no absolutely not it's Um, just no but what they i i still don't really see where they're going to go with joy because if she's not, so she's, if I'm right, she's split up from yeah. her husband and she's come away for a new start. 
and and the Rochelle and her husband won't travel. So why, if Rochelle is the centre of her life, why didn't she move yeah, nearer to there. Rochelle? Why did she move away? Mm. I, I just don't. I don't. I can't. I think the only no, way just that I they don't get could, it. like Joy, could be long term is if they introduce another character that they kind of pair her up with. Because otherwise, what do you think about a roughly the same age yes. as Joy or or age appropriate partner? Where you've got you've got Jim who's single. Well, he's not going to tolerate her for two seconds. You've got Oliver who's still, you know, obviously still not over Caroline. No. Um, so I, I don't know. I don't know. Mind you, I wonder back in the day, Linda Snell first appeared, whether everyone was saying the same thing. Um, but I don't, I don't know. We'll see. But for God's sakes, please, scriptwriters, I am mm. begging you, mm. do not let them have an affair. And if you do, can we not have the sound effects? Thank you very much. So, should we listen, Merlin? I'm intrigued. There's a second call from Merlin. Let's let's dive in, shall we? Hey, <laughs> this is Merlin again. Just a quick addendum to my previous message. Seeing as okay, my seventeen-year-old yep. daughter has spent a day not talking to me because apparently we have nothing to eat in the house, I have no authority to talk about teenagers at all. So ignore everything I said about that. Okay, bye. Well, um, yeah, I do, um, Merlin. It's just teenagers. That's what they're like. It's just, just you know, they grow out of it. They grow out of it. So. Um, in fact, they're just not even, I tell you what, let me tell you about my uh, nephew. Yeah. This is absolutely 100% true. My nephew is a bit, he's 12, so he's not quite a teenager, mm. but he sent me a text a couple of weeks ago and he said, I was reading on the internet that Christmas could be a difficult time for people for their mental health. And he then went on to say, so to make sure that I'm not one of them, here's a list of Christmas presents that I want. <laughs> oh, I like his style. Yeah, but can you imagine? <laughs> he's 12. Can you imagine what he's going to be like as a teenager? My God. Thank and God. did you buy a present from his list? I did, actually. I bought him oh, the um, His Dark Materials books, the Philip Pullman books, So because uh-huh. uh, he's a bit of a reader, which is good. But I just, when I got that text, it's like, oh, God, he's going to be awful <laughs> in a few years. But there you go. So should we go on to the next call? Um, and the yes, next please. caller is Vicky Cole. Hello, chaps, and everybody else in the Dumpty Dam world. This is Vicky in Sri Lanka. A um, couple of things. I thought it was there was a poor value episode this week. Um, script writers, I don't think it's okay to have a whole episode of Phoebe going. I'm really, really sorry. I'm I'm so sorry. I'm really sorry. Pip returned my calls. Granddad, I'm so sorry. Pip, I'm really, really, really sorry. I made a mistake. Pip, I'm so sorry. But rewilding is the only thing I have. So why exactly is rewilding the only thing she has? She's six months out of university. Why is she not looking for a proper job? Um, Is the rewilding money supposed to be paying them salaries? Don't understand. I know we keep talking about the finances of rewilding, but don't understand. Um, And also, where is she living? Is she living with Brian and Jenny or is she living with Roy? And where is Roy? Why is Roy not taking more of an interest in her? Um, He's quite sensible. You'd think he'd be encouraging her to get a proper job. It's all very strange. And I do feel a bit sorry for Lee having to go to Bridge Farm for Christmas. I think there'll be Brussels sprout soup and possibly with a bit of sourdough bread. Brussels sprout stew and listeria blue cheese. Mmm, 
lovely, lucky Lee. But I, I don't know whether I felt concerned or cross <laughs> or disturbed that Helen seemed to feel the need to get Henry's permission to invite Lee for Christmas. And maybe I'm being a bit yeah. harsh and she was sort of concerned about his mental well-being, but surely the time to embark on that would have been three years ago or whatever it was. I don't think small boys should choose who gets invited for Christmas. Anyway, hope you all have a wonderful festive season. Lots of love. Bye. Oh, thank you, Vicky. You absolutely know that Pat's had the sprouts on, on a slow boil since September, don't you? She just would have. It's <laughs> just like not... Yeah, absolutely. So what do we think? Let's, let's start yes, with Phoebe. What's your thoughts on Phoebe at the moment? Um, I th- I think she's living with Roy, but then Roy's gone silent, so he's of no use to anyone. He's he's uh, he's obviously joined. Um, um, yes, I've even forgotten her name now. The famous silent one, <laughs> Gay Grables, um, and, uh, and and fallen into uh, into the store cupboard or somewhere because uh, um, I, I miss Roy. I do miss him. Um, and you're you're absolutely right, Vicky. He would um, he would be saying to her, "You need to get a job." Um, I mean, I have some sympathy with Phoebe on the job front. Um, I when I left Oxford, it t- I didn't start a job until the following February. I couldn't get into the uh, the sort of uh, uh, career that I wanted. And was sort of flailing around, um, living at home, uh, trying to find somewhere. So, um, but the um, the the whole rewilding thing and, and the finances, I'm not I'm not going to cover that again. I think we read somewhere that the the money isn't for paying salaries. I don't know how. Uh, I don't know, and I don't know why she feels that that should give her a living um, either. Um, and uh, I, I'm I'm with you. Her whining on is just not is not helping her at all uh, in the in the hearts and minds of the. Uh, well, of the I, listeners. I mean, my thoughts were basically summed up this week with two words, which were just shut up, <laughs> just shut up. Um, I think she's. <laughs> I think she's. I think there's a real kind of this has been a moment for Phoebe, which is why she's so freaked out about it. I think it's gone from being a kind of theoretical good thing to do for the planet, she suddenly realised, oh, my God, I'm right in the thick of this, and there are important decisions to be made. Um, And I think in the long term, this will help her grow up a little bit, because she can tell that she's really, really kind of mortified by the reaction and what's happened and what happened in the meeting. Um, but I think long-term, but I think, I think things right. Did we need a whole episode of it? No. It was just really annoying. It, it was very, as I said, I think it was a very uneven week. That, that just didn't need to be there. Brian being so laid back about David uh, dropping a minute with the board. Uh, when that came up, he was, he was just like, Oh, I know he didn't mean to do it on purpose. Um, that just wasn't right. And the whole meeting, um, actually, it's best if we don't go there unless unless a caller raises it because I will just get onto a rant and no one wants that. So, uh, um, 
Yeah. Yes. I tell, and Let's also as well, on. I think there's on the rewilding, <laughs> it's uh, a lot of people have got different views. I mean, the last time I saw my mum, she pointed to the end of the garden, a bit that she just hasn't bothered mowing and just said rewilding. And it's just, no, it's not. You just haven't mowed the lawn. <laughs> so um, I think there's a lot of a lot of kind of misconceptions about what it is. But I think also as well, I'm not 100% sure Phoebe really knows what it is because she seemed quite phased by the fact that there might be some kind of business implications in this. Um, so I don't know. I don't know. It's a, it's a difficult one. Mm. But also as well, what Vicky said about Henry, I th- I've never seen a child that kind of... I get it because of everything that happened with he who should not be named. But do you remember back to the Halloween thing where all of a sudden... Helen dropped everything to take him trick or treating and left all of Henry's yeah. guests on there kind of back at the farm. It's a real odd kind of just giving in to everything that he wants or over yeah. consulting him. No, she's absolutely right. It's it's the adults should make the decision on that. And 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 actually he's not bothered by it, was he? He he was he was absolutely fine with uh um with with Lee going, you know, he's your boyfriend. Yeah, end of. Yeah, it was a typical kid, which is yeah. like, yeah, it's your boyfriend, whatever, now can I have something to eat? It's yeah. like, <laughs> you know, he just kind of... I did wonder whether they were setting this up for him to kind of go off the rails a little bit. But I think, if anything, it's going to cause conflict between him and his mum, simply because I think she's going to, she's going to have to learn to be less protective. Mm. And maybe that's Lee's job, to try and help maybe. her regain her sense of equilibrium yeah and he seems like a pretty good choice for that i reckon yeah despite the white trainers but you know there's no point having white trainers in the countryside oh don't get me started no uh, right so we listen to witherspoon yes please greetings yoko bear andrew milliebell our missing hosts and all dumpty dimmers around the world it's witherspoon and angus haggis here what's up with the playground renovation what is the purpose of this storyline and what will be the outcome? When Lucy mentioned that playgrounds when we grew up were ramshackle safety hazards, I immediately thought about how I've been re-watching all the wonderful 7-Up series in preparation for viewing the newest installment, 63-Up. In the final moments of the original 7-Up episode, which is replayed at the conclusion of each subsequent episode, the narrator says... At the end of their very special day in London, after their trip to the zoo and party, we took our children to an adventure playground where they could do just what they like. Man, that playground looked like a building construction site. It's amazing (laughs) that none of the children got hurt. So here's my prediction, sure to go wrong. Peggy will get sick and tired of Justin trying to manipulate her project, will realize that she shouldn't have given the money to three neophytes, will withdraw the grant, and will instead fund the building of an environmentally friendly and safe park for the children of Ambridge. Plus, she'll get a nice plaque with her name on it. One other item. Joy is an anxious woman who misreads social cues, but essentially a good person who cares about what other people think about her, so she will not have an affair with Tony. By the way, if Rochelle can't visit her, why doesn't she return home to visit her daughter and family, unless she has really, really annoyed people in her past or has yet to tell us the true reason she has moved away? I'll conclude 
with wishing all our hosts, my social media compadres, our caller inners, old and new, and each and every Dumpty Dumber around the world, a very happy Christmas, Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, or whatever you celebrate. Talk to you soon. Oh, thank you with the spoon. Um, playgrounds. Um, do we think it's all going to go wrong in the yeah, playground? I don't know. Apart from it being a way of uh, of uh, Phil um, proving to um, to Kirsty, you know, and just doing it because he wants to please her, I don't see. I can't think they'd set it up to go wrong and cause the death of a child or maiming of a child because he hasn't done it properly and he doesn't know doesn't know how to do a playground. Um, yeah, I just I think it's just going to be one of those red herring storylines just chucked in to make that point. I just, in my head, because Philip's doing it at the moment, and I just get the, you, you go there in August and it'll still have Christmas lights <laughs> on the roundabouts and stuff, like a giant flashing Santa. Um, but I don't know. I think, you know, it's, it's, it's always difficult with the art sometimes because these little things come and you think, oh, is it going to be a, a plot line? And then it isn't. So it could just be, you know, just something that's mentioned in passing. Um, though I tell you what, this. This is this is terrible. I'm not going to mention where it was. When I was at school, when I was about, I don't know, probably about ten years old, a a leisure centre and swimming pool opened, a brand new one, um, and they gave everyone in my year um, a trip to be the first people to use the swimming pool before it opened. Yeah. And it was only a few years later that I, mm-hmm. in fact, I'd met somebody who'd worked for the council who admitted and said, well, yeah, we kind of did that because we needed to make sure it was safe before we opened it. <laughs> and I just thought, oh, my God, I was a guinea pig. Oh, no. I was a health and safety guinea pig. Um, I, I'm not sure whether he meant it. It's like, oh, we'll just throw him in the pool and see if anybody dies. I think it was more just did wave machine work and stuff like that. But it always reminded me about, oh, my God, was that dicing mm. death in the swimming pool? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, so, anyway, I, I won't name no. the place. But, anyway. But I think, I think um, uh, um, Witherspoon's right. Um, coming back to the Joy Tony bit, we, we talked about it from Tony's side. We don't think he's got it in him. Um, I think uh, he makes the point that also she's not she's not that sort either. So, um, yeah, why she moved there, no idea. I think uh, I think Rochelle has sided with the husband with Joy's ex husband, but as to why, I neither know nor care really. Yeah, I just yeah, I just I'm, I I wait information um, and will make my decision about Joy's kind of past as soon as we know a little bit more. Um, maybe it's a job for Susan. Maybe it needs Susan on this job. Um, go and find Susan. Find out mm-hmm. what's really going on there. Um, can we just say, well, since we mentioned Philip, <laughs> um, this Christmas decoration thing now. I love Christmas as much as the next, but I, yes. I really do genuinely love Christmas. Um, but Philip's beginning to annoy me now because I can just imagine it that the people around him aren't going aren't getting the people in the houses around him aren't getting any sleep because his his house looks like the mothership's landed. Um, I just, I just, <laughs> I think sometimes with Christmas, <laughs> less is more. Do you know what I mean? Yes. 
and I, yes, I I can't. Uh, uh, we we we've got a couple of uh, roads near us where uh, they are they do become um, tourist attractions because they all the neighbours try to outdo themselves and uh, you get just drive-bys in the whole of December and we've done mm. it we've you know we've when Alex was smaller we've you know chucked him in the car and we've driven across to go and have a look at the look at the Christmas lights but it's not an official yeah uh, it's just uh, it, it's just some uh, suburban roads where where everyone's gone bonkers um with outdoor grottos santas on roofs reindeers flying someone had them actually coming into land they must have been suspended on on wires that you couldn't see um at night um it all looked amazing but why go to the bother and uh and i wouldn't want their electric bill i know that's the thing isn't it i mean we kind of like in these day, this day and age we've got to be thinking about you know, climate change and all that kind of thing. It's just like all of a sudden everyone's switching mm. a thousand lights on. Um, but I get it. I mean, but mm. I do love Christmas um, and I do love a bit of tinsel around the place and what have you. And I get that some people take it really seriously. In fact, I've actually, <laughs> I've actually got a friend who takes Christmas so seriously. She was dating someone in the run up to Christmas and she dumped them because um, that person told her that a Christmas tree was, a, quote, a bit showy. And that's how serious she took it. It was just like, right, this is not going to last. So mm. I, I get it. But I think also as well, I'm just going to say, because I've got to say this, because <laughs> I don't know whether I might be a little bit responsible for this, but I, I, I don't want to kind of be arrogant and say so. But this ghost story at Christmas thing, yeah. I really love it because I think this is a really nice alternative to the Christmas play. And it's going to be, you know, there's a separate program with Jim doing the Christmas uh, Christmas ghost stories. And I think it just makes a change from the play or the pantomime. And I think it also fits in that kind of, there's a bit of a growing kind of resurgence of that whole ghost mm-hmm. story at Christmas thing. And uh, did you see, so they're actually going to broadcast three separate stories. Yes. Yes. But about a year and a half ago, I actually tweeted Kerry Davis and said, you need to have an Archer special of ghost stories. Uh, but I suggested Ooh. it was for Halloween with Joe um, yeah. doing them. And I wonder whether that might have put a bit of a seed of kind of whatever, you know, maybe they went mm. back and thought, ah, that's an maybe. idea. Maybe we have you to thank for yeah, it. Yeah, but... I- I'm looking forward I'm to looking, those because I love his oh, yeah, voice. Yeah, I absolutely look forward to it, but I know some people aren't. So if you're not, sorry. But, yeah, so it's, good, <laughs> it's a good Christmas thing, I think, though. Just it's, It makes a change from the pound time. Yeah. So that's the caller in has done. Um, shall we take some adverts, and then we will, um, we will have a listen to Millie Bell with her social media roundup. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. 
LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Good day, everyone. Well, we started the week with the news that the police needed to speak to Josh, and we said, Oh, Josh, what have you done? Um, Sally Walkadel reminded us that he'd mentioned a friend a couple of weeks ago who wanted to borrow a digger. Charlotte Yarka suggested that this could be a dramatic way to get Josh indefinitely written out so that Angus Imry can continue a burgeoning film career. I sort of hope so because Josh is so annoying. Uh, Fiona Crawford added that first Phoebe and now Josh, the young entrepreneurs are showing their naivety at the moment. Possibly could also add Hannah to that list. Glenn Fuller Love said, um, provided the digger, no questions asked for a tidy sum is my guess. He will claim it was stolen. Wendy Merrick said selling dodgy items that were stolen. And Megan Eliza Stott said his face will be in crime watch tomorrow. Andrew Barrett said, hmm, digger, Roman Trench connection. Is it too obvious? <laughs> digger Trench. And her, Helena Bennett said, look, actually, Josh is an adult, so the police would never be able to tell David and Ruth this much. Um, we also talked about that painting of Linda that was done by Russ. And we wondered what else can they include on the set to scare young children? Catherine Newnham said, the Halloween decorations from Beechwood, which were tearing, ter- sorry, which were terrifying if you listen to Helen. Um, and Al Williams said, uh, making fun of our Lindy Bars, a eh, Ross? Mistake, a big mistake. Uh, Tom Williams suggested the calendar from a few years ago. Ruth Simpson said simply, Ross. <laughs> Um, and then we moved on to discuss Phoebe and her naivety. And we're just wondering... Should she be involved in such a major project? And are Rex and Pip judging her too harshly, though? And Pat Ralph Hannibal said, yes, too naive. No, judge away. How can business partners trust each other if they don't share pertinent information? Uh, Valerie Bailey said she's too young and very unworldly. She sounded like a young teenager tonight. Why has no one even hinted that when you finish uni, you get a job? And Jean Bell said she acts before she thinks, and this is not a good quality in a business person. Very good point, Jean. And Thea Cochran said they seem to be using Phoebe to demonstrate the gap between knowledge and experience. And what was her Oxford degree? And I honestly can't remember. Uh, We seem to think it was PPE, um, as stated by Lucy Mellon, who said politics, philosophy and economics rather than personal 
protective equipment. (laughs) (laughs) Now, Richard Morley said that he cringes every time rewilding is mentioned. No project of this sort would ever be run in this way. From the funders who would want greater input and comfort that it was being run appropriately, to the experts panel who would surely be there to offer support. A wide range of interested parties and agencies would be involved and lawyers would check all contracts. Pip and company have little experience in running a major project of this sort and it's all horribly amateurish and doesn't really showcase well the important concept of rewilding to the public. If The Archers is a docudrama, then it's a poor job by the writers. Well, you seem to know an awful lot more about it than me, so I'll take your word. Um, And then we talked about Susan. What on earth was that thing about stalking her sister and her new man? That's absolute craziness. Uh, Pat Ralph Hanavan said, ew, creepy. This goes way beyond sisterly behaviour. Not needed, not wanted. I know. Pat, I just thought it was awful and I thought incredibly childish. And why does Susan use those excellent detective skills to find out more about the gills? Or she could become best friends with Joy, maybe? I don't know, just thinking outside the square here. Um, Martin van den Heuvel said, this was creepier than Jim's ghost stories, I fear. (laughs) Ruth Simpson reminded us, "Uh, this is Susan we're talking about. And Janice Betson agreed and said she's always in need of new things to gossip about. Then we had that fabulous episode on Saturday, and I just wondered what was um, people's favourite moment. Uh, Will and Emma searching through a skip for Tom Bowler prizes, or was it Harrison relinquishing his role as Father Christmas, or David and Ruth being told absolutely nothing? Um, personally, I want to be a fly on the wall when Clary bumps into the girls, the gills, whilst wearing that hat. So if you could just arrange that for me, please, scriptwriters, that'd be lovely. Um, Pat Ralph Hanavan said, loved Eddie taking over as Father Christmas, and I'm absolutely dying to know the gills' story. Has Susan truly not yet knocked on their door? Oh, I see we're on, on, thinking as one there, Pat. Um, has Susan truly not yet knocked on their door with a cake or request to borrow a cup of sugar or something? Where is she when we actually need her? And Jan Mitchell said, I was really impressed with Harrison softening as he did when he realised the significance of Joe having played Santa Claus, a big man with a tender heart, and he didn't let his ego get in the way. I've always liked the character of Harrison. Yes, I have too. I just think he's a bit boring sometimes, but hey, that's just me. Not everyone can be interesting. As Stephen Bowden said, Eddie taking over as Father Christmas felt a bit too much like something from a low-budget version of a Hallmark Christmas movie. Raiding the Guild People Skip, in contrast, could be the start of some dark events. After all, we know that the Guild People are never seen in Ambridge during daylight hours, presumably because they are nursing some ghastly eldritch secret involving ancient gods and tentacles so if a hat and a pair of shoes are so dangerous that the gill people have to throw them away what effect (laughs) might they have on simple villagers like clary and emma or am i reading too much into this ah you might be reading too much into it i think Stephen. um and monica Strawson said that Will telling Emma that Ed gave him the cash to buy her furniture was one of her favourite moments, a key to Ed and Emma getting back together. Lots of people loved the fact that Joe uh, played Santa. 
And finally, we put up a post uh, of Kerry Davis, who is reading um, a little bit from the Archer's Year of Food and Farming. And it's uh, not only was it lovely to hear um, Uncle Kerry Davis's voice, but um, it's actually quite it's quite interesting. It's quite fun. So really recommend that you um, have a look at that. So as usual, we would love to talk to you uh, on our Facebook page. I'd like to wish all of you a great Christmas. Um, I'm enjoying Christmas in Scotland, although I must say I was hoping for snow. So if anybody's in charge of the weather, if you could do that, it'd be grand. Um, But until I speak to you again, I'll say to you, hooroo. Oh, thank you, Millie Bell. Actually, I just want to say something about Stephen and that kind of thing about the tentacled horror and stuff like that. So, Stephen, don't be silly. That's a ridiculous explanation. It's obvious. The girls are vampires. <laughs> They're never seen during the day. And you know those clothes they're throwing out? That's their victims' clothes. That's what I'm I think this is this is what's happening. <laughs> or maybe I'm just reading too many horror books. I don't know. Mm. Did you uh, have you watched the uh, Kerry reading? The I excerpt? have, yes, and it's wonderful. I, I've I thought it was beautifully done. Oh, I thought there's there's a nod to um the bit on the the sort of style of him reading the book yeah. by the tree is a bit like uh, the way that uh, Charles Dance reads every year on the Big Fat Quiz of the Year. Yeah, um, I just yeah, I thought it was absolutely uh, lovely. Yeah, and then finishing with the with the mulled wine. So yes, I uh, as as Millie Bell said, watch it. It's five minutes, but it's a lovely little Christmas uh, story. So uh, yes. Yeah. And also as well, big thanks to Kerry, because thanks to his wonderful book, I didn't have to think at all about my mum's Christmas present this year. <laughs> just, it was just like, yeah, there, Kerry's book. There you go. Happy Christmas. So, um, so we go on to tweets of the week. Yes. Uh, but first of all, here is a headline. Oh, yes. Um, it's I wasn't I wasn't sent one. So I just randomly grabbed it off the interwebs um, headline. Midget Sue's grocer citing belittling remarks. <laughs> I'm sure that they, I'm sure that they were sat there, sat there thinking, yeah, we can get belittling into this. Yes. Um, funnily enough, I was sent one. Um, oh, were you? Which right. was, if you bear with me, it was sent to me on the Twitters. Um, Luton burglar jailed nine months. Uh, jailed for nine months after defecating in hallways. Repeatedly, it's the repeatedly bit that just that just. But I've actually come with one. Sorry, yeah, go on. Well, go on. You do see um, hear of uh, uh, burglars taunting Ooh. the police by leaving a uh, you know leaving something to try and uh, um, out outwit them. Um, but yeah, that's a bit of a personal calling card, isn't it? Yeah, I think so as well. Also as well, it's not a very good burglar because, you know, like DNA, maybe. <laughs> you know? yeah. It's just, but I've actually, I've actually oh. come with my own one. Yeah. Now, I don't know what this is oh, from because somebody has sent this to me. They cut, it's on the front cover of one of those magazines, you know, like Take a Break or something like that. Um, so I can't see what the, the kind of banner is, what the magazine was, but it's the 12th of December issue. But their main story is, I'll never have sex with trifle again. <laughs> what? <laughs> right. Uh, moving on to the tweets. And uh, 
my I had a long list and I've worked hard to uh, cut it down this week. Um, there were a lot of visual ones, um, which I didn't feel I could uh, describe in a funny way, including um, Boris on a digger oh. blasting through a wall with them um, saying, uh, so, so Harrison, uh, you say it was a digger, uh, something like that. Anyway, here we go. Audrey-Anne. Well, if we can't meet the gills, then at least we can rummage through their skip. Uh, Helen Reed, Christmas shopping. Just ordered a T-shirt for Phoebe that says, I went to Oxford and all I got was a superiority complex. (laughs) Yeah, that's a good one. Andrew Davidson. I mean... I was as annoyed as, as the next person about his indiscretion with Bella, but implicating him in an armed robbery might be a step too far, Johnny. <laughs> uh, Kerry Warbis, a friend of the show. Helen, thanks for the ride, Lee. Postcoital politeness is to be admired, I suppose. <laughs> I do love <laughs> Kerry's tweets. Uh, I know, I know. Who got? There's a few more. Uh, Rainbow Warrior. Does a sheep scanner use barcodes? Oh, that's terrible, but brilliant, but terrible. <laughs> he, he does say he does put in brackets afterwards. Gets coat. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, Catherine Ramsey. It's a shame that Adam peaked too early. Brackets years ago with his constantly exhausted voice. How are we to tell he's a new father? Oh. And finishing up with two from uh, the cheese room, uh, Chris Borrell. Uh, you have to listen to this one. I hope I say it properly. Helen's cheese room. Lee's going to have his way with her. <laughs> and tweet to the week, uh, Chris <laughs> Ambridge by the yes, Chris Ambridge by the sea. Surely, ladies, you don't show off your cheese room in this this early in a relationship. <laughs> I tell you what, it's, that's a great tweet because I, th- I think it says a lot about us as as um, Archer's listeners. But literally everyone I knew, I just knew as soon as the word cheese room was mentioned, everyone went euphemism, euphemism. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and and I'd seen that one and and liked it and put it in my shortlist and then someone tagged it as tweet of the week to lucy um who's <laughs> so uh and sh- sure enough it's uh yeah loved it loved it so i think that's that's about us Brilliant. isn't it i think it is i'm just also going to do another little plug but this is kind of the tangential ghost story thing but um if you want to see two people from the archers um the bbc ghost story for christmas on at 10 o'clock on bbc4 on christmas eve is starring simon williams aka justin and Will Scalding, um who plays chris Carthorse. so another ghost story average crossover this uh this time of year so, yeah, so i think we've, we've covered everything um so remember, you can get in contact. Uh, to get in contact, you can send us a voice message by SpeakPipe on the website or call 0203-031-3105 to leave a message. You can find Royfield uh, on Twitter, at Royfield. Andrew is at... At Andrew Horn UK. Uh, you can find Lucy at Lucy V. Freeman. The Dumpty Dum account, at Dumpty Dum. 
and of course Yokel Bear, me here, you can find me at Yokel Bear. Um, next week, um, there will be a, another recording next week, we're not taking a break over Christmas, will be myself and Angela Arms as our special guest. Um, so that's to come next week. But otherwise, thank you very much for listening and um, from me and from Andrew, a marvellous festive season to you. Hope that Santa brings everything that you want. Indeed. Have a great time, everyone, and um, hopefully I'll be back before too long. Okay, bye all. It's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.